Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Would you please open to the first session that's entitled, It Truly Is God's Will to Heal. That's good news. Let's read the lesson purpose together. How often have we heard the phrase, if it be God's will, in conjunction with healing? The purpose of this lesson is to settle once and for all that there is no if in the equation of healing. It absolutely, positively is our Heavenly Father's will to heal us. God's word settles that question once and for all. Are you ready for some good news? Okay, we're going to be spending two weeks on this whole idea that it is God's will to heal. So take all of this meat, keep it in you, and then come back next week for this part two of the meat so that you can go and you can tell people why it's God's will to heal. When you tell people, when you share it, it's going to get deeper and deeper in your heart. Okay, we've got three foundational scriptures that we're going to look at. And they are already um, written out in your Bible study. So you really don't even need to open your Bible for the first three scriptures. Unless you want to, to underline things. That's great too. But the first one is a prophetic word. It's from the book of Isaiah. It's chapter 53, verse 4 and 5. Let's read it together. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, the first time I read that, it didn't mean much to me because there's a lot of words in there that didn't quite make sense. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to look at some of the language that is in the scripture and talk about exactly what those words mean. You'll see in your Bible study that there are some words written down and then there's this thing in parentheses that says H and it has a number and it has a, a, a Hebrew word. Those are the original words. Many times, if you look at the meaning of the original word, it deepens your understanding of what God meant, what God is telling us, what God's word is for us. So that's what we're going to do right now. The first line of this scripture, the first word of this scripture is, what? Surely, absolutely, positively, not maybe, not if, but surely, he, and that is a prophetic word speaking about our Jesus. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word griefs, in the original language, means sickness or disease. Look it up if you don't believe me. Get, go to the, um, to the internet, Google Strong's Concordance. And then the first one that comes up, it's something Elijah. And it says lexicon on there. Just type in the word. Type in the word. You can either type in the Greek word or the English word. You can type in griefs or you can type in choli or however you pronounce that word. And this is what it will tell you. That word means sickness or disease. The word sorrows means pain. So the first sentence of this scripture, if we put those words in there, would be, Surely he has borne our sickness or disease and carried our pain. I just felt this powerful anointing just settle 
has carried our sickness or disease and our pain. Yet we esteemed him stricken. In the Amplified, it adds a word. It says, yet we ignorantly esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And in the Amplified, it says, as if with leprosy. Yet we ignorantly, we didn't understand the people of that age. And if we were there, we probably would have been in that same place. We ignorantly esteemed him as this nothing. They didn't know that he was the son of God. They didn't know that he was the Messiah. They didn't know that he was carrying their sickness and their disease and their pain upon his body. As if with leprosy, he was afflicted as if with leprosy. You know, I was fighting cancer when I, when I was, um, first came to know Jesus as my healer. I was fighting stage 4 cancer. And since then, whenever I read in the Bible about leprosy, I equate it with cancer. I equate it with this disease that is taking over the body and destroying it. Jesus healed people of leprosy all over the place. This scripture, when you read it from the Amplified, which the Amplified translation simply takes the original words and amplifies them or extends them so that they're very clear. And it says that he was afflicted, Jesus, when he carried our disease and our sickness and our pain, he was afflicted as if with leprosy or as if with cancer or as if with arthritis or fill in the blank, emotional pain, anxiety. He carried it upon our body, upon his body. But, but he was wounded for a reason. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Before I came to know Jesus as my healer, I knew him as my forgiver. In the denomination that I was raised in, I knew that he died for the forgiveness of my sins. And that's what this says. Transgressions is um, a word that means known or unknown sin, which results in deviating from the path of godly living or hurting our relationship with God. It could be known, it could be unknown. We've talked in the past about yielding to the world, about yielding to what's going on out in this crazy world that we live in. And that can result in transgressions because you deviate from the will of God. You, you, you come into that place of your relationship being um, um, just wounded because of the lifestyle that you're living. It, it's possible. We're not going to go there, but it is possible, and we see it all the time. That's where I was before I came to know Jesus personally. So he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities are intentional sin, willful disobedience, and perversion of life, truth, or intent. Perversion. But he was wounded and he was bruised for those things. Then it goes on. It says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. This is where it gets really good. The chastisement means the penalty or the price. The chastisement, the penalty or the price 
For our peace was upon him. The word peace is shalom. Most of us know that Hebrew word. Shalom is a great big word. It does not just mean contentment. It does not just mean, oh, I feel pretty good right now. I'm at peace. I don't have fear on me. I'm at peace. Although it does mean that. And that's important. That's, I don't want to make light of that. It's hugely important. But that word peace is even bigger. That word peace means completeness, fullness, nothing missing and nothing broken in any area of your life, in your body, in your soul, in your relationships, in your family, in any area. That word peace is huge. And he paid the price for our completeness by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, by the stripes that Jesus took on his holy back. And if you've seen the passion, you have a little inkling of what he took for us. By his stripes, we were healed. Now, you may have heard the teaching that that means spiritual healing because it talks about transgressions and it talks about iniquities. Let me tell you, that word healed is the word rafa. Rafa, I need to pronounce it correctly. Rafa is one of the names for God. Jehovah Rafa, God who heals. I want to give you, and Tom, this is not a slide, and I, don't, I didn't want to spend time on these scriptures, but I just want to, I want to make something clear to you. So I, I've got some extra scriptures here I want to show you. That word Rafa is used 67 times in the Old Testament. 57 times it's translated heal. Five times it's translated physician. One time it's translated cure. One time it's translated repaired. It means physical healing. I'm going to read right now really quickly four scriptures that use that word rafa. Just like the Isaiah scripture that says, by his stripes we are healed. This is Exodus 15, 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. That has to do with diseases. That has to do with physical healing. Now I'm going to take one second or ten seconds and, and, and just let you know that when it says in the scripture, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, God does not put diseases on people. In the Old Testament, many times the verbs were translated in a causative verse instead of in a, in a, uh, I mean, a causative tense, instead of in a tense that should have been translated aloud. He did allow things, still does today. We're going to talk about his permissive will and his perfect will next week or the week after. But the point I wanted to make is that this scripture says, for I am the Lord that heals you. And he's talking about sickness and disease. Here's the second one. This is about King Hezekiah. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. 
This is 2 Kings 20, in case you want to write it down. 2 Kings 20, verse 1 through 6. Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. This is about sickness. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. That's that word heal, Rapha. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add to your days 15 years. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Same word, Rapha. And the last one is Jeremiah 33, verse 6. And this is referring to Israel when it was, um, when it was um, needed restored, when it was had fallen. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. In that one scripture, there's health, healing, and in the original language, cure. Health, healing, cure, and peace. Shalom. <laughs> the word Rapha means to heal physically. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. We are healed. So that's the first scripture. There's three of them. That's the first one. Number eight on page um, nine of your Bible study, there's that same scripture that we just read, the Isaiah scripture, and it has lots of blanks in it. What we're going to do now is we're going to read it one more time and fill in the blanks with the English words that are much easier to understand than the ones in the, in the King James um, uh, translation that we just read. And then you'll have an awesome word of God to take and read and declare and decree over yourself. So it starts. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pain. I'm just filling in the blanks right now. But he was wounded for our unknown sins unknown sins and he was bruised for our willful disobedience the penalty of our complete wholeness was upon him and by his stripes we are restored to normal. We are restored to normal. We are made whole. We are healed. Put in there whatever God's telling you to put in there. Bottom line is, it's finished. Through the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Okay, that's one scripture, but there's a whole lot more. The second one, foundation two. 
That prophetic word, Isaiah's prophetic word, was fulfilled during Jesus' ministry. Would you please look at Matthew chapter 8? It's written here, but you can open your Bible if you'd like to. Matthew chapter 8. In this particular chapter of Matthew, I'm just going to give you a real quick rundown of what was going on. At the very beginning of the chapter in verse 1, it talks about Jesus um, coming down from the mountain and there was a great multitude. And a leper met him. And the leper said, the leper came and worshipped him. We read this last week. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And do you remember what Jesus answered? I am willing. Okay, what are we talking about today? Read the title of this lesson. It truly is God's will to heal. Jesus said so. I am willing. If you have nothing else to base your foundation of belief on, that's it. That's the word of the mouth of Jesus. He said, yep, I'm willing. And he healed him, of course. And then it goes on, and um, later on in this um, chapter, starting with verse 5, the centurion's servant. The centurion is this man, this, this, um, this leader in the, in the Roman army, and he comes pleading with Jesus. Now, the only reason he would come talking to Jesus is because he knew Jesus was the healer. He'd seen him heal. And he had somebody in need of healing. So he came and talked to Jesus. And his servant was healed. And then he'd spent all this day in the synagogue. He'd been teaching. He'd been preaching. He'd been healing. And it's evening. And we are now, verse 14. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and served him. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So Jesus had been healing all day long. He healed the leper. He healed the centurion's servants. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. His day was over. He went home for dinner. And Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Peter was married, by the way. Had to if he had a mother-in-law. For our, so our first pope was married. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, it was evening. It, he, I'm sure he was exhausted. Opened the door and there were multitudes waiting. They had heard about the healer. They came in need of healing. And at that moment, according to the Bible, the prophetic word was fulfilled. And it even says from Isaiah, from the prophet Isaiah. The scripture that we just read in Isaiah 53 is the scripture that was fulfilled. That means that the prophetic word was verified and the prediction was completed. It was completed. The word that was prophesied at that time was verified, proven. couple questions how did jesus cast out the spirits with his words and this is jesus if it's important for jesus to use his words that's a good example for us and we'll be talking about that a lot in the future how many were healed yes 
That's important. Next week, we're going to talk about the fact that not only is it God's will to heal, it is always God's will to heal. So all were healed. Now, the words that were spoken by the prophet Isaiah were, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That word infirmities means weaknesses. But if you look it up, again, in the original language, it isn't just physical weaknesses. It's also weaknesses of the soul. You see, God made it perfect for everything. When the work was completed, it wasn't for one area to be ministered to. It was for everything that we needed in our soul, in our emotions, anxiety, depression, marriages, broken relationships, finances, lack, anything that could, that could um, take you away from knowing the abundance of, of the life that Jesus gave to us, sickness, pain, whatever it is. So infirmities is weaknesses in the body or in the soul. Jesus took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. That word bore is to lift it up. I love that one. There's so many times when I have just closed my eyes and just let God lift it off of me, whatever it is that I've been carrying. Because that's what he came to do. To lift it up and carry it for you. I put a little example in the Bible study that says, if you go get groceries and you come home and you say, honey, come carry the groceries for me. And your, your kid or your husband or whoever comes and carries all those groceries in and brings them inside and puts them in, on, a, on the cupboard to put away. You don't carry them back to the car, put them in the trunk and do it again because it's already been done for you. As we go through this Bible study, that's what you're going to see, that Jesus already did it for you, and you don't need to do it again. You don't need to carry it again. And if you are burdened and feel like you have that weight on you, do what I just said. Just say, God, I know you carried it. I'm going to let you carry it. I just see you right now, Jesus, taking that burden off of me because you carried it. And just come to sense that amazing peace that he gives to you in that setting even though you're still going through the the trial he is there carrying it for you so that's the second scripture where the prophetic word is fulfilled the third foundational scripture is first peter 2:24 so this is after jesus died for us after he rose from the dead after death was destroyed, sin was destroyed, righteousness was initiated, grace abounded and superabounded. We're going to talk a lot about grace in the next few weeks. And the church was born. The church is um, all of us who believe in Jesus. Jesus is the head and we are the body and we come together and we're here we're here. We're Jesus on earth now doing his work and his, and his will. And when that church started, the apostles wrote down their revelation from the Holy Spirit. And this is one of them. This is from the, from the book of Peter. 
Verse 24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, and it's referring to Jesus. Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So we have a scripture here. And the scripture is referring to Jesus carrying our sins to the cross. It says Jesus carried our sins to that cross and he died with them so that we could live in a position of righteousness. Not so that we could, so that we do live in a position of righteousness. And then right after he talks about sin and being in right standing with God, there's this dash and there's more. By whose stripes you were healed. Let me ask you a question. In the passion of Christ, which came first? The stripes or Jesus dying on the cross? The stripes. Jesus died for our healing before. He paid the price for our healing. I said that wrong. He paid the price for our healing before he paid the price for our sin. Whole package. They're completely connected. There are so many scriptures that it is intertwined, like the one in Isaiah and this one right here, the one in in Matthew, where healing and forgiveness and salvation are all in the same sentence in the Bible. Now you might say, that might be spiritual healing. Because it talks about forgiveness of sins. And then it says, by his stripes you were healed. Well, let me tell you what that word means. That is a a Greek word because the New Testament was written in Greek. And I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I think it's Iaomai or something like that. It's got lots of vowels in one consonant. I-A-O-M-A-I. That's the word. And it means healed. It clearly refers to physical healing. It's a word borrowed from the medical term to describe the physical healing or curing of the human body. It's used 28 times in the New Testament, 26 times it's translated heal, and two times it's translated make whole. So that scripture that that said, by the stripes of Jesus you were healed, here's some more scriptures that have the same Greek word. Matthew 8, that's centurion. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. That's the same word. He needed physical healing, didn't he? He was going to die, that servant. And then he goes on and and talks to Jesus about his, his authority. But then at the very end, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. That word means physical healing. Mark 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. And then it goes on and talks about the woman with the issue of blood. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. That was physical healing. Luke chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. 
And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of all their diseases. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Both of those words, healed, are the same word. Physical healing. And the fourth one, this is the last one that I've, I've got, although there's, I could have written down 28 of them. This is the last one, Luke 22, starting with verse 49. I love this one. This is when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the, the chief priests and the people, the Romans, were coming to take him. To crucify him and while he was still speaking behold a multitude and he who was called judas one of the twelve went before them and drew near to jesus to kiss him but jesus said to him judas are you betraying the son of a man with a, the son of man with a kiss when those around him saw what was going to happen they said to him lord shall we strike with the sword and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear but Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Healed. That ear that was severed, he healed it. That word means healed. It means physical healing. Okay. If you look at the paragraph underneath the scripture... It says, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we could be set free from sin and the effects of sin, including sickness. He chose to die for us so that we might have eternal life. That is the potential for everybody. But it is only actual when you believe in Jesus. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Is it abundant life to live with sickness and pain? Uh-uh. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Jesus has already done his part. He's already paid the price in full. It is God's will to heal. Okay, so my first, I think I should be a lawyer. Okay, my first evidence was those three scriptures. Here's the next one. There's this word in the Bible this Greek word called sozo. I love this word. Let me define it for you. The entire provision of God for the whole man. This isn't anywhere written, so you might want to write it down. The entire provision of God for the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Everything you need. Healing, salvation, deliverance, anything you need. The entire provision Everything you need for that abundant life that Jesus came to pay the price for. Body, soul, and spirit. That word sozo is in the Bible a lot. 110 times to be exact. We're going to read just a few of them. The point that I'm going to make, that I, I, I want to make, and you can do this on your own. In fact, it's really, it's really kind of fun. You just type in the word sozo. S-O-Z-O, and then you'll see 110 scriptures or 110 times that it's used. It might be used more than once in a scripture. And then you can read these for yourself. We're only going to read about six or eight of them. You can do it on your own, and you can see for yourself 
what that word means, the depth of salvation, the depth of what Jesus came to give to us. So we're going to just read a few of them today. The first one is Matthew 1. Now I do want you to open your Bible if you have it with you. I got my Bible back. <laughs> Look at new cover. It says Cindy Cox on the front, so I can't lose it. And it, it's, it's, I love it. Okay. Matthew 1, verse 21. Now I can find stuff really fast again. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word save is that Greek word, sozo. One of the meanings of sozo, one of the parts of the entire provision that God has for us is salvation, being saved. So that's the first one. Would you please turn now to Mark? I'm not going to do every one on our list, so you can look those up later. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 22. I'm going to read this whole little section because the word sozo is in here a couple times, so I want to show it to you. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Underline in your Bible the words, Be healed. Because that's the same word. In the first verse it said where Je Jesus came that he would save people. That he would save them. And now it's saying she'll be healed. It's the same word. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Underline made well. Guess what? Same word, sozo. But I believe that's even bigger than being healed because she may have needed to be made well in her emotions or in her relationships or in her finances as well as in her body. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And then it goes on, and I'm going to skip down now to um, verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And again, the words made well are the words sozo. Okay, so the first scripture was about salvation. This scripture was all about healing. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 52. I'm going to start with 51, actually. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabone, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He was made well, sozo. His eyes were healed. He had blind eyes that were opened. That's definitely healing, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. 
Mark 16. This is part of the Great Commission, starting with verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Sozo. But he who does not believe will be condemned. We put ourselves in that position if we don't believe. God doesn't say, I condemn you. He says, please say yes. Please come to me. But he's given us free will. With him, believing, believing him, believing in him leads to salvation. The word saved. I'm going to skip John 3 for a minute. I'm going to go to that later. But right now I want to go to Acts chapter 4, please. Starting with verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, that word is sozo, and this refers to the man by the gate beautiful who was paralyzed and was healed. He had been laying there begging. I think this was the one that was, um, had been sick for 38 years. I'm pretty sure. 38 years? Okay. Anyway, he was crippled, and he'd been crippled for a long time, and he was healed. And it, but it was on the Sabbath, so they were persecuting Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. So they, they, they were this wasn't Jesus. What am I talking about? This is Peter and John. But guess what? The Holy Spirit had anointed them just like the Holy Spirit had anointed Jesus. So they're talking to the rulers. And they're saying, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stays, stands here before you whole. That word whole is sozo. Made well, whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The word saved is sozo. So in one piece of scripture, the same word is used to say made well, whole, and saved. The whole provision of God. Okay, we're going to skip Romans for now. We're going to come back to that later. The biblical Greek word sozo means to save, to keep safe, to rescue from danger or destruction, to make well, to heal, to restore to health, and to preserve one who is in danger of destruction. Pretty good. When we receive salvation, we receive all of the above. Isn't that good news? Amen. Would you turn with me to Psalm 103? This is another one of my favorite scriptures. You've heard me say it many, many times. Psalm 103, 
verse 1 through 5. Would you read it with me, please? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Benefits. Make a list of the wonderful benefits that our Lord has provided for. When Jesus died on that cross, he provided for all of these benefits. The only one that I knew, well, I knew two of these before I came to know the full truth. I knew that he died to forgive my iniquities, and I knew that he died to redeem my life from destruction so that I wouldn't go to hell after I died. That's the part I knew. But there's a whole lot more. He died so that all of my sins would be forgiven. What's the second one? Yes, who heals all your diseases. Not some of them, not when he wants to, not if you're good enough. Who heals all your diseases. That's part of the amazing gift of salvation. Who redeems your life from destruction. Does that happen after you die? When does it happen? Immediately, as soon as you receive Jesus as your Savior, eternal life starts. that good news? I thought eternal life started after you died. But it doesn't. It starts the moment you receive Jesus as your Savior with all of the benefit package. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's when you just go to God and say, God, this burden, I don't want it. Take it. And he does. He takes the burden. He carries it for you. He carries you if you're not able to walk on your own. And even if you can walk on your own, he'll still carry you. Just like I would love to carry my baby grand boy, whether he wants to be carried or not, <laughs> whether he needs to be carried or not. God loves us so much. Tender mercies and loving kindness. And he renews our youth. He renews our youth. He satisfies our mouth with good things and renews our youth like the eagle. Soaring on the wings of eagles. Not on our own ability, but on God's ability. On God's um, giving us the, the way to do it. A lot of benefits. That's truth. That's not just a fairy tale. <laughs> when I first started hearing all this, it felt like a fairy tale to me. I thought, that's too good to be true. But it was sure a lot better than the report I got from the doctor. What did I have to lose? Got a whole lot to gain. Okay. This is what I want to do before we close today. We're talking today about, we're beginning to talk about what the Bible says about healing. All of this is great news. But it's only the potential until you make it the actual by receiving Jesus as your Savior. So I want to go back to those three scriptures that I kind of skipped over. And I want to show you what the Bible says 
about salvation. When I was um, 43 years old, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I wasn't saved. But I didn't know I wasn't saved. I went to church every Sunday from the time I was a baby. I grew up going to church. When I was married, we went to church. We took our kids to church. But I wasn't saved. The day that I went to Jenny, uh, long story, but if you've read my book, you've, you know it. I went to Jenny to, to share some things with her, and she stopped me in the midst of my talking, and she said, Cindy, are you saved? And I said, I think so. You know, and I started saying what I just told you. I go to church, I do this, that, the next thing. And she says, do you want to be sure? That was the day my life changed. I want to show you what she showed me in the Bible. The first scripture is John chapter 3. You probably already have made Jesus the Lord of your life. But I want to make sure. And if you have already made Jesus the Lord of your life and invited him to, to be your Savior and your Lord, then you might want to know these scriptures to lead somebody else to Jesus. So that's what we're going to do right now. John chapter 3. The whole chapter is awesome. The title is The New Birth. And it talks, there's this, there's this leader. His name's Nicodemus. And he's a leader in the army, but he comes at night. Because I'm... I'm guessing now i'm paraphrasing i think he probably saw jesus doing all of his works and he's saying what is this man there's something here there's something real and even though he was um not supposed to be there he wanted to know so he went in the middle of the night to get answers from jesus and jesus taught him about the rebirth jesus taught him about salvation i don't have time to go through the whole scripture now but do it read this chapter it's just awesome but the verses I do want to read are the ones that you've probably heard a hundred times. Verse 16 and verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. That word saved is sozo. Jesus came because he loved us. God sent him because he loved us so much that he wanted us saved. He wanted to give us the gift of everlasting life. This whole chapter talks about salvation. Salvation does not come from being born into a family of people who know Jesus. Everybody has to make that decision on their own. As my husband says, God has children. He doesn't have any grandchildren. Just because you're a kid of a preacher or a kid of a mama and daddy who go to church does not mean that you're saved. There is a requisite. There is a requirement, and that is that you must believe. It's easy. At least it's easy for me. It's not easy for everybody. What I've seen is that people that are very intellectual think they have to understand it intellectually, and you're never going to understand it intellectually. And what I... I you know, I lovingly and gently say is, it's from your heart. You don't need to understand it in your head to receive it in your heart. So that's the first scripture. The second one is in Ephesians chapter 2. Starting with verse 8. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by grace through faith. Jesus did his part. Our part is believing, having faith and believing. And we don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to get all cleaned up first. Say, okay, I, okay, I, I, need, I, need, I know I need that, so I'm going to get all the sin out of my life, and then Jesus, I'll let you be the Lord of my life. You're never going to do it. <laughs> Pretty much impossible without Jesus. So you say, okay, I just choose to believe with childlike belief, childlike faith. He's already done his part, the grace part. We're going to talk a lot about that in the coming weeks. Our part is to simply believe. And the third scripture is the one that Jenny had me read. Romans chapter 10. She's a first, she was a first grade teacher at that time. And um, she's telling me this truth in two minutes before the bell rang in the beginning of the day. And she's saying, Cindy, Jesus didn't do this to you. God didn't put this disease on you. It was the enemy. You know? And she said, he paid the price for your, for your healing when he died on the cross. She's telling me all this, and this meant, I mean, we didn't have time. She had to tell me really fast. And then she asked me if I was saved, and I said, I think so. And she said, do you want to be sure? And I said, yes. I totally planned on dying. I bought the lie. I didn't know there was another ending. I didn't know the end of the book. And at that point, I just, I said, yeah, I want to go to heaven. So she opened her Bible to Romans 10, and she handed it to me, and she said, here, read this. And I'm going to start reading with verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, or Catholics or Protestants, or Jewish or Muslim. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So she shared, showed this to me and she said, Cindy, all, she says you need to believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth. Well, I had believed it in my heart forever. But I had never confessed it with my mouth and asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. So I'm going to pray that prayer right now with you that Jenny prayed with me. And just invite you to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life or recommit or just restate it. I do that every week when Pastor Dino leads us through the prayer of salvation because I know I'm saved. But I still just refresh it in my heart every week when we pray that prayer. So I want to pray that right now. So say, Father God, we come before you tonight in awe of who you are and what you've done for us. We declare our belief right now in you and in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. 
We believe that you sent Jesus to us to live for us and to die for us and to raise from the dead so that we might have everlasting life, so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have redemption, and so that we could have healing. I believe in you, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Come into my life. I give you lordship over my life. I give you control. I let you carry my burdens. I let you carry my disease. I let you carry my pain. I let you carry me. I let you love me. I receive your love. I receive your salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 The last prayer that's here is written in your book, and I would like to read this with you. This is a prayer that gives Jesus lordship over your body. Sometimes we hang on to that. We think that we can take care of ourselves by going to the doctor and taking the medicine. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor and taking the medicine. But giving Jesus lordship over your health is the most important step that you can take in your healing. So we're going to just do this together. It's very much like what we already prayed. But we're just going to take it a step further and say, Jesus, I give you the lordship over my body. So let's read this together. According to the word of God, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I confess him now as my healer. I make him Lord over my body. I believe in my heart that Jesus carried my sin and the effects of my sin, including pain and sickness, to the cross. I believe that through the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. From this moment, my body is saved, healed, and made whole. Amen. Amen. Amen.